The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to plainstalkerspodcast.com. Plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one man. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. Because it's cool to see a land that only costs $9,000, not $10,000. Correct. <laughs> if that's why you wanted to ban it, say those words. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel, and we're back, baby! Took a week off, needed a little bit of a rest and relaxation, but we're back, and we are ready to talk some magic. So how you doing, Matt? Oh, I'm doing all right. I uh, almost died over the weekend. Yeah, I wouldn't say I almost died. I got sick over the weekend, so I've been riding that out. Other than that, I haven't really been doing much. Just been working. Got some old movies. I watched Gone in 60 Seconds with my wife last week. That was fun. It's just a Nicolas Cage movie about stealing cars. It's just mm, yeah, it's right every now. yeah. It's like every Nicolas Cage thing you would think of. It's he's not doing his crazy stuff where he's in like the straight to DVD movie type of stuff, but it's it's have Nicolas you, Cage. Have you seen the new Nicolas Cage movie coming out soon? Which one? It's called Nicolas Cage or whatever. Oh no, I have It's haven't. a movie like making fun of Nicolas. It's Nicolas Cage making fun of his career. Oh, gotcha. And like nice. the whole point of the movie is him being the ridiculous thing. And like we went and watched saw Jackass in theaters, and there's commercials for it. <laughs> like. There's a couple scenes where it's just him like clearly overacting things he's done in the past. Nice. M- making fun of Nicolas Cage. It's it's very like self-referential and like very, very cool looking. I'm glad to see that he has a sense of humor about it. Yeah. Like, he knows. <laughs> well, he, well, he's a very good actor and a lot of people really discount him because because of the things he does to pay the rent. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the straight to Netflix crap that he the shovel movies. He's actually won an Oscar. He's been in a bunch of good movies. Like he's just he's a very good actor who also has a a horrible spending habit and just will take any script and just roll with it. I didn't know Nicolas Cage was a joke in the uh, like movie world Mm -hmm. because I've seen as a child, as a young adult, I've seen like three or four Nicolas Cage movies and I enjoyed all of them. Like I saw National Treasure. I saw what was the end of the world one where uh, there's like they're counting down to the end of the world. Is that the one where you can see into the future? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I've, I've seen three or four Nicolas Cage yeah. movies, and I enjoyed all of them. I legitimately enjoyed them. And then I kind of grew up, and I heard people just start bashing Nicolas Cage and how he's just a joke of an actor. And I was like, I don't, I guess I just don't know movies then. Because, well, come to find out, he's in 40 movies, and I've seen three of the good ones. Yeah. Like, yeah, I get that he's had some bullshit roles, but all the shit I've seen him in has been pretty cool. Yeah. There's, there's actually a, I forget where I saw this, but it's kind of a, it's an analysis of his acting that tries to take what he does seriously. And I don't know how many of you, how many of those movies you've seen, but he does, he's like really overacts and gets like very physical with it and whatnot. And the guy was basically comparing it to like Kabuki theater. And like he, he tried to take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Like where what Nicolas Cage is doing is trying to bring something to these roles. And while he's not like doing this, you know, super hardcore method acting type of stuff where he's trying to he is trying to do something in a role he's not just phoning it in he just has his own unique style now again whether or not that's true i don't know but it was just an it was an interesting way to look at like when you watch that and then you watch one of his like wildly overacted movies it just takes a little bit of a different you just get a little bit of a different view on it Mm -hmm. so it was just an interesting little thing. I couldn't even tell you where to see it. I don't even remember where I watched it. It probably it, was YouTube. I could you, I, you can't even look at his eye. Like you couldn't even look at a Nicolas Cage IMDb. 
No, it's to find it. Because I, 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 I was thinking about like how I would find the movie I'm thinking of, and it's like I. Yeah. Which bad Nicolas Cage <laughs> movies were you thinking of, Jake? Yeah. Well, and like, and, and vice versa. Like, yeah, go find go find the right website talking about Nicolas Cage. Right. There's millions of websites talking about Nicolas Cage and how crazy he is. Correct. Yeah. There's so like, if you just look it up, you might be able to find it if you're at all interested. But yeah, it was it was really interesting. Uh, there's also a funny community episode about it. Yep. Where I was, I was thinking about the whole time yeah. where Abed goes literally insane <laughs> trying to decide whether or not Nicolas Cage is a good actor. And I think it comes to the conclusion at the end where he is both a good and bad actor at the same time. He is Schrodinger's actor. Yep. So, yeah, that's what I did. And I've got two more. I got The Rock. What was the other one? I can't remember. But I got The Rock and uh, Gone in 60 Seconds. Did some movies and yep. just kind of relaxed. Yep, just Yield. hanging out. How about you? Last couple of weeks, I have been prepping for SCG Indie, which is a couple of weeks from now. I think it's like the 16th or 17th, something like that. It's that weekend. And I th- I'm pretty sure uh, the Legacy 5K is on Sunday because I think the uh, Saturday is when they start the team event, the 25K that cuts to uh, the, se- the it's a two day event that for Sunday. And then I think Sunday also has a modern 5K and a uh, Legacy 5K. So I started brewing up what I was going to take relatively easy because i only have one legacy deck but it is like a really wide legacy deck so i've got azorius control i started out with azorius um miracles and i've I've decided to shift into an azorius control deck so i brewed up with some new mh2 cards that i think like not mh2 uh kamigawa cards Mm -hmm. that i think like are powerful enough to see play and will fit in the deck really well after playing like you know eight or ten matches just in the free queue just to kind of get a feel for it like it feels pretty strong like there are there are decks that just scoops to where it's like I yep that's a loss that's not gonna happen but I did get to go against some of like the really strong meta decks and they were really good games in my favor so things like I played against uh, a couple green white depths decks and those were just jokes like mm-hmm. just no nothing to do I did go up against uh, like some really heavy discard tribal decks and through one way or another and there's enough card advantage and enough like bombs that it's like getting into a top deck war isn't that scary. Mm-hmm. I went up against a couple combo decks. Like a uh, show and tell was rough. Show and tell was like 50 50. I think I won one, lost one. And then reanimator, I kind of was able to beat the crap out of because just the answers are there. Yeah. But for this one, basically, like the two additions or the two changes I've made for like your from like your, well, it's, I don't know if the standard Azorius control is anymore because it's got like it's got Merktide region at the finisher, mentors in the main. And then I've got two wandering emperors instead of Jace the mind sculptor and two March of Otherworldly Light just for removal spells. 9 and 10. Mm-hmm. So the Wandering Emperor I put in because, if you've noticed, Delver is approximately 25% of the online meta. And what that means is a lot of people are packing Pyroblasts. Like, between 2 and 6 Pyroblasts in the side. Sometimes in the main. So if I'm not going to be using Jace to capitalize on Miracle spells, I really rarely feel good resolving it or trying to throw a Jace out there. Unless it's like turn 8. And like, I... I found myself having a very hard time consistently getting to turn eight or turn seven when I can try and resolve a Jace with good backup or like start working my way to winning there. Mm-hmm. I really want to start pushing my deck to developing on the board and making things happen on like turns five and six, maybe four. So I picked the Wandering Emperor because it does a really good job of dodging Pyroblast effects, both on the stack and on the board. It just blanks them amazingly. It comes in, you get immediate value where uh, it has flash so it's a four mana planeswalker with flash and the turn it enters i can activate its abilities at at instant speed so i can end of your turn you're not going to do anything i can cast it if you're going to go to combat i can uh pump one of my creatures it makes a creature and it also can just exile a tapped creature and i gain some life 
Like, it's just really flexible. It definitely is worse card advantage than Jace by a lot because you're literally not drawing cards with it. You are making cards, but you're not drawing cards. But it's probably more flexible than Jace and a lot safer to deploy considering, one, it's basically an instant, and two, it dodges some of the most common removal spells right now for Jace. So I'm having a lot of fun playing with that. Uh, I think it's pretty powerful. I don't, I don't know. I'm still tinkering with it, but I think it's, I think it's going to stay in my list. I think I want to run it through the tournament to see what happens. And then March of Otherworldly Light. I haven't seen really anyone talking about this card in Legacy, and it is definitely, probably worse than <laughs> um, Prismatic Ending. Mm-hmm. So Prismatic Ending is white X, and then it has, I think, Converge or no, it has effectively Converge. Yeah, you exile a non-land permanent with the CMC equal to or less than the colors. Oh, that's really good in like three color decks or four color decks. You know, being able to tag a four mana CMC is literally almost everything in in Legacy. And three mana is most things, but it's a sorcery and it requires you to stretch your mana base. March of Otherworldly Light is X, white, instant, exile target artifact, creature, or enchantment with mana value X or less. Key point, that doesn't say non-land. Now, it has this rider clause, that I this rider ability that I think literally is what makes it playable. As an additional cost to cast this spell, you may exile any number of white cards from your hand, and then this spell costs two less to cast for each card. So you can pay a white, exile a white card, and now you've got it, it already is already starts at two. And so at that point, you can, for one white mana and a card, you can white force of will a permanent. Mm-hmm. Uh, three or less. Or that'd be, that would be two or less. Um, the most situations I got, and it's pretty easy to kind of use these later in the game for bigger stuff, in which case it's easy to, if you throw two mana into it, discard an extra card, now you're at four. Obviously, you don't want to be force of willing things in general, because it just sucks going down on cards. But the reason force of will is in 60% of decks is because there are plenty of times when it's worth it to force of will something. And not always a card that just wins the game, like, let's say, show and tell. But funny, often you force of will a thing because it will kill you soon. Yeah. And so this falls into that spot where most of the time you don't have to do that. But having the ability to do it has like saved my bacon a couple times where it's like it allows you to double spell on a really critical turn. Like on turn four or whatever, it allows you to like swords and remove or prismatic ending and remove, which is really good to have that rider. And on top of that, the number of zero and one mana things in legacy that you want to remove is incredibly high. And paying two mana to remove a one drop wasn't ideal. At instant speed, isn't that bad? No, I mean, that's what Abrupt Decay is. Yes. And one mana to remove a zero drop, not ideal, but at instant speed, isn't that bad? So things like, you can tag Urza Saga on the board, because it's an enchantment. You can tag the Constructs perfectly. You can tag, um, like, your Mana Dorks. You can easily hit Mana Dorks. That'd be later in the game, but things like Noble Hierarch or Birds of Paradise you can hit. uh, A lot of your, like... What artifact? What's a what's the word for like a useful artifact? Utility. Uh, you, your utility artifacts, things like vile, things like ch- I mean, chalice is great. Retrofitter foundries. Retrofitter foundries. Yeah, <laughs> the, basically the saga suite. Yes, it's it it tags them all. It's a little more expensive, but getting it at instant speed is so good. Uh, I did get to tag a an endless one with seven plus one plus one counters on it for one white <laughs> mana. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Anyway, I think the card's great. I'm borderline going up to three for my. I've got a uh, you know a week and a half of testing ahead of me. I, I might go up to three because. Uh, with how incredibly creature-dense magic is right now, legacy is right now, because there's so many good creatures, this deck right now runs 10 removal spells, 10 just target removal spells, 3 Teferis that can bounce for great tempo, and 2 Snapcaster Mages to double up on them. 
And very rarely did I find myself having a huge abundance of removal spells. And when you do have an abundance of removal spells, you can ditch them to March of Otherworldly Light to save your mana for something else. So you can March of Otherworldly Light, remove their creature, and play your Teferi. Yeah. Because you've got two swords and you don't need both of them. It's The card is definitely, maybe... Not better than prismatic ending. <laughs> it's 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 so hard to evaluate. Well, it's in that it's in that testable range. Exactly. Where this is it. It meets. It's like it just feels so close. It's just good so enough to try it out. The cards are so different and so similar. It's so hard oh. to make like just direct comparisons. A sorcery that caps out at five if you have all five colors versus a uh, instant that you can just dump mana in and get anything. Like I mean, you could like you could get a murktide late in the game. Yeah, you could just <clears throat> maybe dump four mana into it, exile a card. It'd be five mana. So dump five mana, exile your uh, your prismatic ending that's dead in your hand, and you can get it. Not ideal, but you can. Uh, you can hit. Like I, I was playing a uh, sneak attack. You can hit sneak attack relatively easily. Whereas this three color deck, you're never going to hit it with prismatic mm-hmm. ending, and it allows me to play Azorius Control without having to too often stretch my mana base too aggressively. Like I I don't have to worry about always having red mana. Yeah, you can play as a blue white deck, and then actually fetch your volcanics when you're playing your pyroblast or when you absolutely have to have the yeah. third color it does run expressive iteration oh, um yeah, that's right so like you it's you still want them but. you still want them but like i said there's a lot of times where i i like to save those i mean it's it's obviously it's ideal to hide the red if you can yeah i mean you don't, if you don't want to show your opponent that you're on jeskai don't let them think you're just azorius you're on budget but anyway that's what i've been working on i've been working on tinkering with this three thousand dollar deck that if you remove two cards is closer to like twelve hundred. Like this, it's funny how that's like, what I can see for you. This is a budget deck. Like it's funny. Like Azorius Control is legitimately a budget deck. You could totally put in a Hallowed Fountain and a Steam Vents. Deck would be almost the same. Well, when uh, Lands is coming in at ninety seven hundred dollars, yeah, Jesus, <laughs> you do get to run back to basics. <laughs> but anyway, that's uh, I've said so. That's a bit longer, but I'm, I'm really excited about that. So I was excited yeah. to, to chit chat about lot, about that a little bit. And uh, if anybody wants to take a look at it i have a link up on the page on our discord it's the uh, it's the plane soccer's discord if you want to hit us up on our discord go to the uh, discord.planesoccerspodcast.com we have a special channel in there just for us on top of you can interact with anyone in there it's a huge community there's always people talking about stuff uh that is where they'll organize things like their win a box tournament where we have a win a box coming up where they play standard but you can enter up on arena build a standard deck and have a chance to enter into a free tournament where if you win they will just mail you a box of new capena i think it's draft boosters but i'm not sure but every new standard set they host these free tournaments where people can come play they also through their discord organize their commander games they play on wednesdays so if you ha- if you check out twitch.tv forward slash Planesockers podcast on Wednesday, you can watch them play live command over spell table. Check them out on Monday to watch their actual Planesockers podcast being recorded. I was there this Monday and we had a lot of fun just kind of chit chatting with them. They're really active with the chat while they're recording. So you can like talk to them and ask questions and they'll answer you like like in real time. It's a lot of fun. And when, you know, when we all get in there chit chatting about dumb stuff, it's pretty fun. But the commander stuff on wednesday where you can totally join the discord you can play in commander games every wednesday we have a special event coming up the 26th so is this uh march 26th at 1 p.m we're starting a charity for extra life we're hoping on starting up with one to three games of cdh i will be there matt's gonna try and be there and we have a few listeners that are already part of the discord that are coming to play some like really fun really competitive proxy allowed cdh and then the plan is to try and get in like Hopefully between like two and five more commander games, kind of the rest of the day. Just kind of play commander all day long, 
chit-chat with people, and hopefully raise some money for a really good cause for children's hospitals. So we'd love to see you guys come over there and check us out, twitch.tv forward slash podcast. That's going to be the 26th at 1 p.m. Stop in, say hello, let them know we sent you, and maybe give some money to a really great cause. Obviously, it's a lot of fun to get to get together and play Commander and do something to really help people. Yeah, absolutely. Alrighty, Matt, uh, with that out of the way... How's Legacy looking? Same as always. <laughs> Might be a shorter episode this week, guys. Yeah. Because <laughs> you don't have a ton to say about Legacy. I don't have a ton to say about Modern. There, well, the cool thing is, regardless of the Blue Red Delver scourge, we do have some interesting things going on in Legacy. We've got the Sunday challenge from this weekend. We'll go over that. But like we've got, we actually do have a couple, not necessarily new decks, but changes to some decks. We've got one new deck that's pretty exciting, and we're seeing some decks that haven't we haven't seen for a while. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at like the last like three to four months, there's a couple decks that haven't popped into the top eight or even like the top sixteen. Yeah, so there's still blue red delver everywhere, Mm -hmm. but if you discount some of that, the rest of Legacy seems all right. So bringing it home with first place with eight cast is two JJM two. Yeah, however you would say that. <laughs> but yeah, a really cool eight, eight cast list running the new Kappa Cannoneers. Yep, that seems to be almost an instant staple in the deck. 100 tickets a piece. Yep. So only 45 bucks in paper. Yay. Yeah. But it's $45 in paper. You know, it comes in the uh, the Commander Precon. That's $40. <laughs> that makes sense. I, I bought one. I, I thought about playing uh, some precons with the Commander Craft because mm-hmm. they, they like we might need a person so i was like well i'll go buy a deck just in case i'm a i'm a part of the show you know i'm a producer i support them so i will be there just in case yeah but i sure didn't open it <laughs> so i have a i have a kappa yeah, cannoneer in my in my pre-con deck that's funny but yeah so other than the kappa cannoneer it looks pretty stock <clears throat> uh does have two of the otawara the from so- the soaring city yeah from neon dynasty as well it's a really good card it makes perfect sense in this deck and the decks that like and on getting to four-ish mana, especially with this one has Emery and Psy, so you could totally cast that for two. Yeah. But the decks that we're planning on getting to like to three to four mana to cast it is, an, I mean, making a card uncounterable, it is so hard to express how good that makes a card. Even if it's four mana for unsummon. And uncounterable and instant speed. Yeah. That's yeah. like, a, little be- a little better than unsummon because it hits like, I think it's planeswalkers and enchantments. Like, yeah, it hits. Artifacts, creatures, enchantments, or planeswalkers. That's bonkers. Even for four mana, uncountable instant speed. So, so strong. On top of just being a land. Yeah, on top of it just be it's just you need blue. Yep. I got you blue. So yep. untapped and everything. Don't you want don't you want to talk for an hour about Kappa Cannoneer like everyone else has for the last two weeks? I think I Boy, we missed that train. <laughs> well, I called it when we when it yes. first got spoiled, where it was just like, this is a powerful card. A lot of people were freaking out. Yep. They're like, this is I'm just like, this is a very powerful but narrow card. Yep. Like, and it's from what I can tell, I haven't like combed through every list. There so just looking at this, there's two eight cast lists in the top thirty two. And Kappa Cannoneer sees no play anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So there's oh, yeah. at most, because this only has three. This only has three. So assume the other guy plays four, there's at most seven in yep. the top thirty. Three seems to be the number people are kind of sticking with. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean that and that makes sense. It's a it's good a, number. It's like a they, six drop. Yeah. So um it's it's taking on the role of Trune Nemesis, uh, where if you don't answer on the stack, it's r- almost impossible to answer. It is very hard to kill. Yeah. Like if you even like like oh, sort of like a board wipe. Yep. Like, even me, having five mana to swords this and pay the four is hard. Yep. So. Yeah, once it resolves. It's not hard to, and it's not hard to cast this on turn, like, turn three. So then by turn four, you're swinging for maybe 
eight or nine because it comes down as a five five yeah and then you start beating face yeah with any additional counters you get every time you every time you cast a myriad of free artifacts makes it makes it unblockable things good like i said we've been everyone's been talking about how good it is but things good what's next next up we have lands that ten thousand dollar deck we were just talking about nine thousand eight hundred packs you got me This, however, is a really interesting lands list, isn't it? Uh, the the interesting no. one is. Next I'm sorry. Up. I, I think, yeah. of the, think of the other lands list. Correct. Sorry, this is not. The, this is just a a this, uh, punishing fire lands list. Yep, it looks pretty straightforward. Still got Urza Saga. Got the Urza Saga suite. Um, I'm not seeing. It's got a couple. And you know, big surprise. It's got a couple of the new Besaju. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, we all kind of saw that coming. That's a perfect card for this deck. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think that's. Nothing, yeah, like the endurance is a recent pickup, sort of. The besages are recent pickups, but they're kind of, they were kind of duh in these like land stacks. Like, of course, seeing two of them is kind of interesting. I didn't expect to see two. Like, that's a lot. You kind of expect to see one. Although this isn't a land you want to fetch. This is a land you want to draw. Yeah, you have to draw it. So that's that's probably why we're seeing more of those. But and Tower of the Magistrates back in the main for presumably Cauldra primarily, but for any um, equipment style strategy. Yep. But obviously, just the cleanest answer to Cauldra. So, in third place, we've got Blue Red Delver. Yep. Yay! Blue Red Delver with Brazen Borrower and Brazen Borrower. one Pyroblast in the main. That's kind of like that's an interesting thing to see how inbredly blue the meta is becoming. Right. Case in point, I took my Jace's out. <laughs> got Steam Vents back in there. Yep. Uh, I, I don't want to talk about this. I'm curious to see if there's anything coming in the sideboard, but it doesn't look like it. It looks like it's all pretty much straightforward stuff. So. Fourth place, this is the deck that actually is yes. cool. So this is 8 Mulch. Uh, there's been a little bit of talk about it on Reddit and whatnot. Um, it uses a card Mulch, which is a two-mana sorcery. Reveal the top four cards of your library. Put all land cards revealed this way into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. And then it uses Winding Way to basically duplicate that effect. So you've got eight ways to dig four deep and get all the lands out. And then after that, it's basically a Life from the Loam land-style deck. Yes, effectively, but it's not a Dark Depths deck. It's a Field of the Dead deck. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it uses mana bond and exploration to dump all those lands out as as quickly as possible uh-huh. and overwhelm you with Field of the Dead. It also does have Urza Saga, duh. Yep. So you've got Man, two it, angles of attack. You say that like it has Urza Saga, duh. Why doesn't it have Thespian Stage and Dark Depths, duh? That's it's, it's a weird cut to make. I don't. The deck's pretty new. I don't know why it wouldn't have that. Obviously, I didn't brew it. Um, like, it has Hall. It has Hall of Heliot's Generosity over Dark Depths. When, like, what Hall can literally buy you Exploration or Mana Bond back. I'm not saying it's bad, but, yep. like, okay. <laughs> That's interesting. Yep. So. And then, yeah, beyond that, we've got just tons of. Well, to be fair, what Hall does is get you Urza Saga back. Oh, I guess that's true. That is an, it is an enchantment. Yeah. So you can start looping uh, Urza Saga. I take that back. We do have a Roadside Reliquary, uh, a new Kamigawa land. Pay two, tap it, sack it, draw a card if you control an artifact, and draw a card if you control an enchantment. That's going to be pretty easy to hit, obviously. So that's just two mana draw two. Yeah, that card's really good. Otawara again. And then is there anything else that's like new? I don't see anything else new. Those are probably our newest pickups. Yeah. But so, it's a, a very new deck is kind of cool. That's definitely a cool thing to see. Yeah. So this deck is brand new. It's really interesting to see a deck literally plan on winning with Field of the Dead, like as plan A and B sort of in a wasteland meta where there's 30% Delver, although it did come in, what, fourth? Yeah, well, and, and the thing is, I mean, as far as wasteland goes, this deck, you'd be wasting, I would side my, I don't, you don't want to side your wastelands uh-uh. out, but like, 
you're you wastelanding them isn't going to do anything. Well, that, you aren't wastelanding in the way you normally do. Uh, there's you're no right, man denial to, here. Correct. Like, but there is there is valuable resource denial. There is, but like I don't know. It's hard. It, this this would be this would be this would test a uh, a Delver player's like restraint with their wastelands to like target the right things so this is uh if we're going through the sideboard here this sideboard zern orb against fucking delver is going to beat all over that deck yep with this like i don't understand i mean short of a murktide regent how does delver beat that mm-hmm. yeah the ability to with beat mana bonding things out life loaming them back zern orbing them away yeah drop of honey yep drop of honey don't worry they won't bring that to the paper meta <laughs> It's a cool deck. I hope I hope this sees more play. I hope people keep innovating on this and taking lands in a little bit of a different direction because it's cool to see a land stick that only costs nine thousand dollars, not ten thousand. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> you take. I mean, it's take the. You know, you take uh, take out Tabernacle and take out Drop of Honey. The Drop of Honey could definitely leave. Tabernacle is a rough one to lose, but you take out those six thousand dollars. Now you're down to a more standard. Well, and that's the thing. It's those, it's that Tabernacle is just brutal. Yep. Five-ish thousand dollars. Uh, in fifth place, we've got Esper Vile again showing up again. This is Yorion list. Another cool deck. Yep. So again, one we have we saw it the uh, on our last episode a couple weeks ago, but again, it hadn't been like everywhere mm-hmm. within the past six months, well, basically since Ragavan took over. I, I don't mean to be in an insulting way. Once is lucky, twice is skill. Yeah. So seeing a Esper Vile once in six months is whatever, but now seeing it twice in a month. Obviously, there are, there's at least somebody or a couple people really working on this deck and really trying to make it like 2022 playable. Yeah, and succeeding. Yep. So still have that inventive iteration, that four mana um, return a creature planeswalker to its owner's hand, return an artifact from your graveyard to your hand, and then you get that thing where it's a three three uh, that if you've cast a spell, your opponents can't cast spells with the same mana value. That one made the cut. That one stayed. I guess. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna talk shit. Yeah, but I I'd be curious to know what about that card makes it worth the slot. I wonder if maybe that's uh, that might maybe that's just there for uh, control. Like maybe that's your like one of your control strategies where you don't have to worry with them ending the game because I mean yeah you're not trying most to race control them. decks go to turn seven eight or nine and that's going to be a way to um, help break the stalemate where you're getting some good card advantage out of it with some good tempo some card advantage. And then a real threat that you can help, you can work on locking them out of turns. Yeah. So sixth and seventh, we've got Blue Red Delver. I don't want to talk about. That. And I mean, these are there almost, is nothing. These are almost copy paste. If they're not, yeah. there's nothing. There's one whole breacher in the side of one of them. Big surprise. Yeah. Main. These look like. Well, one of them only has one Mishra's Bobble. I think one had two. Whoa. <laughs> these are almost copy paste. Yeah. What about eighth, what about eighth place? Eighth place, we've got Hogak, which hey. we haven't seen in a long time. I think we saw it once a couple months ago because I, I think we saw it in like not, like twelfth because I was I was really excited. I, Hogak's like one of my favorite decks, like non blue decks to play. Yeah. So top eighting as far as going getting in the top eight, we haven't seen Hogak <laughs> in a since Ragavan, I think in a leyline surgical and endurance world. Yeah. Oof. So congratulations there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake and I were actually talking about. There's one big change. I shouldn't say it's a big change. It's an interesting change. An interesting change. Undead Butler. Uh, it's a two mana one two when it enters the battlefield mill three cards and when it dies you can exile it if you do uh, return target creature from your graveyard to your hand yep it's a zombie that creature type is important it does so that that creature type is what fuels your grave crawler to keep replaying grave crawler it's black so it helps pay for hogak it does mill three for two which is about i mean that's not very good but it's good enough yeah uh i don't know 
if the recursion matters. I, I think it's one of those, that's probably like a happy bonus where like there are instances where you'll want to recur things or recur your Stitcher supplier is probably the best thing you can recur. Mm-hmm. But maybe just being a two mana mill two that also fuels your grave crawler is just what you need. Because like it looks like we trimmed down, we we uh, we lost a Cabal Therapy, which is a very powerful card in this deck, and we lost a Bridge from Below, which is an inc- I I wouldn't have cut Intercol. a Bridge from Below. Like when when playing this deck, you obviously have two very solid strategies. You can just outvalue any value deck ever because you don't cast half your spells; they just come back for free, and they keep coming back and beat people to death relatively quickly. Uh, and Bridge from Below can help with that. Or you go the Hogak. Well, sorry, Hogak can also just beat people to death because it's a free 8-8. The number of times I can cast Hogak on turn two is scary. An 8-8 trample on turn two. But the bridge from below, on top of being a good value card, is is really good at fueling the infinite combo with Altar of Dementia. So if you can get two bridges in the graveyard and you use your Altar of Dementia to sacrifice your Hogak and mill yourself eight, sacrificing the Hogak creates two zombies, which is enough to recast Hogak. You can mill your entire deck make a ton of zombies, and then you can mill your opponent's deck using doing the Hogak loop on them as many times yep. as you can, and then sacrificing need, all your zombies. Yeah, you just need effectively 60 power worth of zombies. Essentially, 30 yes. zombies. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it, it's, it's probably closer to 30, yeah, because you'll, you'll be able to Hogak them usually like four, like three or four times, so 8, 16, 24, yeah. and then just yeah, another 20 power of zombies, which is not hard to do when you're making them three or four at a time. Right. That is a really important strategy for this deck to have because it just cannot outrace a lot of things. There's a lot of times it just will not outrace you. Uh, and I don't mean like on the ground, this outraces most decks. The problem with Legacy is a lot of decks don't race you on the ground. They storm you out or they cast an Emrakul and take infinite turns or they cast a Grizzlebrand, draw 14 cards and do shenanigans. Who knows? Interesting choice. And I, uh, that is not where I would look to start. I would oh, honestly okay. cut an altar of dimension before I cut a bridge from below. Yeah. Well, that's the altar is they're probably just as important to each other, but the altar doesn't do anything in uh, multiples. Mm-mm. It so, does not. And like and the and you have to cast it. The bridge does more without the altar than the altar does without the bridge. Correct. So I don't know. As a person who is not an expert of this deck, who has played it a few dozen matches, that's my personal opinion. Uh, speaking to uh, Hybing, who came in eighth place in a very graveyard aggressive meta. So take it for what's worth. Well done, sir. Well done indeed. But yeah, that's our top eight. Uh, just to wrap it up, three Blue Red Delver in the top eight. Mm-hmm. Going to the metagame summary, nine in the top 32. We're looking at 28% again. So I know last time you guys heard us, we had a bit of an argument about like, hey, the meta's getting better. You know, see the good in it. And like, I'm kind of okay with this. And Matt was like, no, we can do better than this. Uh, 28% is kind of crazy. Called it. Yeah. I I don't think anyone's looking at when one deck is 30% of the meta. And I mean, spoiler alert, Luris making up nine decks was in 30-ish percent of the as me- a one of <laughs> as a metric they cited. Yeah. And it got the card banned. And we have one deck with is and that that is essentially the same, let's say, 52 cards, 53 cards in the main, yeah. making up 30% of the meta. Well, and, it, and it, we talk about this every week and we're going to until they ban these cards, because there's just it's the elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. There's one card. Like if we could get rid of Merktide Regent, we could probably get more than likely yes and a lot of this crap dude so i put i put murktide in my azorius control list and one of the first times i got to really play with murktide that card's bullshit yep <laughs> holy cool. cow man murktide is crazy though so, 
and that's all we don't have to go through the whole no, thing but well, yeah, do go do the next Halloween. yeah well i mean as far as the ban argument oh, we don't yeah, have to yeah, yeah. we don't have to rehash all that just again still i don't know who is happy with this it's copy and paste correct so uh blue red delver 28 percent lands nine percent with three uh we've got celestia depths now mtg goldfish does weird things where it lumps stuff together i don't know if that celestia depths is including the eight mulch, eight mulch. since they like possible because it's, it's possible that's lumped in there it is but, selesnia but correct and it, it's selesnia and it's going to be running very similar things it, it could also fall into the other though yeah because other was also three decks at ten yep. percent nine and a half percent and then we've got eight cast with two doomsday clock in yep. and with two which we haven't seen a bunch of doomsday lately once you get past delver it looks fine right. three three two two one 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 right it's if fine. you took knock the delver down to three like everything else then you'd have six more slots for other decks yep even if you just brought some of these twos to the ones to twos yeah like i don't know this, this this is a this is an okay spread. I just wish that the top it's very top heavy, yeah, very top. There's heavy. a clear. Oh, and what that says to me is there's very much a tier zero deck like there was, and then everybody else is just you know fighting yep. over what's left. Yeah. Um. Most played cards. This should come as no surprise. Same thing for the past six months. Force will brainstorm ponder pyroblast days yep. features Merktide, Delver secrets that used to be Ragavan. Yep. <laughs> It's like, you just, it's like you just took one out and put one back in. Somehow Endurance is on here twice, but Elvish Reclaimer, then Endurance. <laughs> the graveyards are that fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Endurance had 16 running, and 15 copies. That Hogak guy is awesome if people are running eight <laughs> Endurance. <laughs> Whoops. Come on, MTG Goldfish, as a free service you provide. Yeah. Be perfect. And then Top Spells, same thing. Force of Will, Brainstorm, Ponder, Pyroblast Days. Again, my Pyroblast is in 56% of decks. A lot of that's probably sideboard, but 56% of the decks. I, I'm, it makes perfect sense because Jace mean, is. I mean, again, because I heard uh, it was Eternal Dirtles, Eternal Dirtles was talking about um, the importance of Jace in a Miracles package and how it, it is uncuttable. That makes sense. But for everything else, get out of here, Jace. A four mana planeswalker. Yeah, it's in a, a format where half the brainstorm. Decks, yeah. And no when thanks. half the decks well, are running Pyroblast. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if they're going to pyroblast it, they're oh going to just te- they're going to blow you out on tempo. The uh, yeah, and it's like and that's I've played that match where I've played it where I go for it on turn four or five, and you just get blown out. And then I've played it where I go out, I go on turn seven or eight, and maybe you can fight and get to resolve. But now I'm I I needed those couple of turns to get cards. Like I'm so far behind now because I I waited two or three more turns. Yep. I needed to do something on turn five. Yeah, the magic has really changed over the past like three to five years where and it may even be longer than that but like committing to the board is more important than it ever has like the idea that you're going to sit behind a couple swords to plowshares or force wills and win with a jace is just so hard to do when Mm -hmm. every single threat your opponent every individual threat your opponent's uh play can win the game another reason why i went ahead i decided to cut it was the jace fate seal plan can i have totally beaten people with it and it can't happen it's just so less reliable whereas the wandering emperor comes in and starts making two twos and bumps them to three threes but you start getting a couple two twos and three threes out it, i think it's it's just better to play those and protect them like if you can get two two twos out your opponent's at 15 life that is a four or five turn clock but Jace plusing is what a six turn clock. Well, and if you think about it, what if you fate seal your opponent? Let's say you do it five turns in a row. I don't know exactly. I don't remember how long it takes to kill. I him. think he comes down at three. It's a plus two, and it's a Take, minus ten. Yeah. Well, whatever. Say you spend the next three or four turns doing it, and then they kill him. You've got nothing out of your 
Jace. Yep. Whereas if you spend your Wandering Emperor, for example, you spend the next four turns trying to kill them with that and they kill Wandering Emperor, you're left with a bunch of tokens. Mm -hmm. Like you're board. not just correct. Like you're not just, com you're not all in on this one fate seal plan. Yep. And then either it works or you lose. Oh, you know what I love seeing is I make a couple tokens and I see him start casting kill spells on them. And I'm like, Correct. yes, <laughs> please discard cards to nothing. Yeah. I mean, I hate losing my tutu, but like I didn't, I didn't make that. I didn't play that card. Right. So yeah, it's, it's, I, I said, keep an open mind to it. If you're brewing or playing or you're tinkering with that Azorius color gambit or Jeskai or whatever, like keep it in mind. It's a good card. Yeah. So. For modern, if you're listening to this, you probably listen to a lot of magic content, and you probably heard that we got an emergency ban on Monday. Well, I don't think it's technically emergency. It was unannounced, but it wasn't an emergency ban. Everyone called it an emergency ban. I just like it's, yeah. it's been it's been making the rounds of the internet as an emergency gotcha. ban, but yeah, an unannounced ban. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to hit the Saturday, the the Sunday meta, and I'm going to read these decks, and I'm going to give credit to these players, and then we're going to move on because this meta doesn't exist anymore. It's exactly the same thing that happened with Ragavan. Yep. This meta doesn't exist. Modern is going to see one of the biggest shakeups we've seen probably since MH2. So, band control with Watu. First place, Merktide Regent with Max B, Hammer Time, Jeskai Control, Four Color Living End, Hammer Time. Uh, seventh place was Bogles, and eighth place was Hardened Scales. Tons of credit to those guys. Bogles with Boomerang and uh, Selesnia Hardened Scales with Zaros. That's Those are really cool, obviously, because like those are decks we haven't seen a ton of. I think, mm -hmm. I think we had some... We had a couple hardened scales and bogles on saturday as well yeah there was a i think hardened scales got first and second i think it yes it did yes it did so like that's super cool to see those decks but we'll see if they can hopefully maintain their place in the meta coming in the coming weeks meta game summary hammer time uh with seven decks 22 percent. that's probably too many although that's probably going to be going down with losing Luris is losing a big tool for hammer time the recursion there is huge blue living end what is blue living end what makes it just it has blue in it okay Living End uh, with two decks, Hardened Scales with two decks, Crashing Footballs with two decks, Monogreen Tron, two decks, Yawgmoth, two decks, Burn, two decks, and then a bunch of ones. Most played cards, Esper Sentinel, Pure Steel Paladin, Stoneforge Mystic, Colossus Hammer, Sigarda's Aid. Oh, look, it's Hammer Time. <laughs> yep. Top yeah. Creatures, Esper Sentinel, Pure Steel Paladin, Stoneforge Mystic, Memnite. Oh, look, it's Hammer Time. And then Sanctifier Envac in fifth, just to help hopefully drive home that we're done seeing Grixis. Like, if you don't want to lose to Grixis Shadow, put Sanctifier Envac in your deck, and you probably won't. And top spells, Colossus Hammer, Sigarda's Aid, Springleaf Drum, Force of Vigor, and Mishra's Bobble. Oh, look, it's almost hammer time. So, I wanted to give you guys the information of what happened on Sunday, and the decks, and the cards. But, like I said, the meta is, this meta is basically dead. Luris is banned in both Modern and Pioneer. And so I thought we would talk about that a little bit. Time-wise, we're sitting at right around 40-ish minutes. So if we do a tight, you know, 15, 20 minutes on how we think about this ban, that'll be a good episode, I think, to wrap up. And we'll be a little shorter this week, but Legacy is kind of uninteresting. And Modern was an interesting challenge, but it doesn't matter. Because, like, I, we give you this information to hopefully... To prep for next week. Get you more prepared. And it doesn't do that anymore. Correct. So... I want to read some stuff from the article. A lot of you guys have heard this. There's there's one thing I want to read, and this is where most of my frustration with this comes. Loris's play rate, this is the modern ban announcement. Loris's play rate, 31% in MTGO league decks that started with a, with four wins. So your 4-0 decks in leagues, I'm assuming. Yeah, 4-0 leagues. So 30% uh, of those point to a card that is contributing to the homogenization of modern experience. Uh, this there is not significant enough deck building cost to incorporate blah blah blah. 
That is the only data they used to support this ban, other than mentioning people don't like it and that it's it's in too many decks because a little less than one third of the decks that go at least 4-0 have Luris, even though Luris fits into, if, you're, if you want to consider tier one and tier two, nine decks, seven separate distinct decks, Hardened Scales, Hammer Time, uh, Rakdos, Grixis, uh, Bogles, Burn, I mean, Burn. Uh, Bogles probably is like tier three, but still like <laughs> this is huge, huge variety of decks. Now, Matt agrees with me. We talked about this. I'm not particularly mad Luris is banned. I don't have any affinity for the card Luris, and I agree very much. I'm sure Matt does. Luris should never have been printed. That is a design mistake. That card's ridiculous. But I'm tired of wizards propping up bans on this half-hearted bullcrap data that doesn't mean anything. So I was telling my wife about this. This card got banned, and I was like, you know, whatever. It's Like I said, I'm not upset the card got banned. I'm upset at how we decided to ban it, basically. And my wife was like, well, what gets a card banned? I was like, that's a really good question because nobody knows. Sometimes it's their win percentage is too high. Sometimes it's their play rate is too high. Sometimes it's because nobody likes it. Sometimes it's because it breaks fundamental rules of magic. And sometimes Watsi finds a different reason to ban a card because they feel like it should be banned. And sometimes you can have all of those things happen and the cards still don't get banned. Yeah. So there is no like hard criteria and they just keep choosing things at random. And so if you go over to the Discord, uh, Will and I had a very kind of pleasant disagreement back and forth where like we were, we were writing a bunch of stuff like, oh, this and that. And I don't think it should have been banned based on this reasoning. And he's like, well, four out of the top 10 decks are Luris decks, and that's too many. And it's like, but those are four hyper distinct, unique decks that like that's encouraging meta or uh, diversity. meta diversity, even though a bunch of them run Luris, those decks are super different. So like that'd be like saying, well, both of those decks run Solitude. They're obviously the same deck. And it's like, no, they're not. One is an Azorius Control deck, and one is a Reanimator deck. Well, but they both run this one card that has similar restrictions where you have to... It's different, and I get that. But you're saying that a lot of decks that do well in leagues kind of have this card in them, therefore the card must be banned. If you are banning a card because everyone's mad at it, say that. Like, just say that. Now, in my opinion, I don't want us to enter a world where we ban cards everyone's mad at. I don't like that banning philosophy. But be honest this half hiding behind in my opinion pseudoscience fake numbers that metrics we've never used before when they banned ragavan they referenced relatively high non-mirror win rates when they banned uh oko they referenced play patterns and win rates was on there it was high but not in their they, opinion they said not high enough but uh, play patterns was too bad when they banned astrolabe they mentioned that it breaks it breaks core uh, pillars of legacy yep. there's there's so little consistency well, and the big thing what that says to me they have all that data if they didn't bring it up in order to justify their loris ban yeah then the data probably doesn't justify the loris ban doesn't it if loris decks were winning non-mirror win rates at 58 percent, you think they would have said it right probably and, and if they had I'd be like, oh, cool. That's that's the first question my wife asked because I was kind of heated about it. Like, I just think it makes me frustrated. And she was like, if they'd given a good reason, would you be mad? And I'd be like, no, not at all. You come and give me a good reason why a card should be banned. That's fine. I'm glad you banned it. Like, I wasn't mad they banned Ragavan because so they banned Ragavan in part because of unfun play patterns. Now, I don't think unfun play patterns should get a card banned unless people stop playing. Correct. So in Ragavan's example, we haven't had a Saturday challenge in six months. People are falling out of the format. The Sunday challenge barely fires. Nobody wants to play. That unfun play experience 
you're good at band. Oko had a very unfun play experience and challenge is still fired. Now, that was fine. We'll ban that card. Luris, challenge is still fire. Its win rate, presumably, is not too high. The tournaments, uh, super qualifiers, NRGs. Everything's <laughs> chugging along just like, fine. Like, Modern looks amazing. And you, you're, you're banning this card based on what? Okay. Yeah, the, I'm curious. Like, obviously, this challenge doesn't look great with Hammer Time being 21%. Um, Hammer time is usually between 16 and 24%. And that's a little high. What I was going to say is I'm curious if Luris, Luris has his own set of problems. And I, you can ask Jake about this. We, the companions came out before we uh, started our podcast, but I am wildly anti-companion. I, I would prefer them. Literally, you could take every companion card, in my opinion, and ban them from all formats. I'd be fine with that. I don't like the mechanic at all. It's bullshit. Neither of us are advocating on, from a pro Luris point of view. Unban Luris. That, no, that card's bullshit. <laughs> right. So I'm happy to see it go. I'm curious if it, quote, died for Hammer Time since. Yeah. And because if it Hammer did, Time is very clearly the best Luris deck. Yeah. Like, it's... Well, Hammer Time or Grixis. They're, they're, I think Hammer Time seems to be a lot harder to hate out. Grixis... Yeah. Like, Grixis, like, ebbs and flows. Hammer Time is almost always right in there. And that's totally fine. If that's why you wanted to ban it, say those Correct. words. <laughs> that's what I'm right there with you, dude. <laughs> I, it just, it, that's, that's what's frustrating to me. I don't like it when the, the banning of cards is a very nebulous thing. Now, if you want to talk about in standard, I'm much, I'm a little more pro like standard being kind of loosey goosey bans because it's, I mean, obviously no one deserves to have their deck banned for no reason, but these decks, some of these decks cost $1,500, $2,000, and we're just and we banned it because a lot of people don't like it. Like, I have thousands of dollars invested in my Azorius control list. If enough people don't like a card in it, does it get banned? I hope not. This is a total non sequitur, Jake. Sure. But this has to happen off. You're a traitor. This modern challenge has a Golgari's elves list that top 32, and you didn't say anything. <laughs> yep. Man, I already closed the, cha- the page, too. Darn it. We don't have to talk about it. I What? What I was going through, because I was going to, I'm basically backing you up here. My point, I was going through this and I was just, I got distracted because I saw that. But I mean, we've got like 15 decks here, mm-hmm. even with Hammer Time. There's like, there's almost 20 different decks. Like unique decks unique listed here. decks in the top 32. And this is what Jake and I were keep talking about. Like the idea that Luris is in 31%, 30% of decks. When your metagame looks like this, who cares? Yeah. Yeah, let me make it clear. I get that's a very high number. That is a lot of decks Luris is in. What I'm saying is, and I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna take a I'm not gonna like quote LSV, but this is a mentality LSV has, uh, where you can have it be balanced or good. And I think we're chasing down more balance while it's already good. Right. Now it could get better. It a could. more common example of that phrase is you're making the perfect the enemy of the good. Where modern could be better, yeah, but modern's excellent. Yeah, so it's we're like, gonna tweak with something. I think that... modern's great. I get that some people don't like it, and that's fair. But I think modern is great. You've got, you've got, you know, your tier one and tier two probably consist of between ten and fourteen consistent decks. So like, they're solid tier one, tier two decks that can win a challenge. That can do really well. You've got tons of diversity. Yes, thirty percent is is Luris. That's a lot, but the it's so much diversity. It's so all over the place. It's the Wild West, man. You got Bogles in seventh place, and then you come in and being like, "Well, that one card does see more play than we'd like to see in this really narrow metric we're going to list, and people don't like it, so we're going to ban it." 
And, and on I, top of that, if the idea is that a one of, and I understand it's different in the sense that it's a one of, but it is a one of as a companion. There's one Lurus in these decks. A one of in 30% of decks is bannable. Then can we look at legacy? Yeah. Pyroblast is in 50% of decks. Yeah. How many decks or uh, how many decks have Brainstorm, Matt? Right. 58? How many decks have Force of Will? 60? Again, everybody's going to argue, A, they're different formats, but like why there should be some consistency as when we're removing cards mm -hmm. as to why. Yeah. We're costing people hundreds of dollars. And it's like uh, Mistress Bobbles were like 40 bucks a piece on MTGO. And I think they're down to... I mean, they were down to like 25 the other day. Oh, yeah. They'll, they'll just be in pseudo free fall. I mean, they see a little bit of play in Legacy. Yeah, they're not good cards. No. Mistress Bobble is not a good card. And you get a, a little bit of play with DRC, and then you get it in 8-cast. They're still sitting around 25, 25 tickets. So they haven't fallen through the floor. But, like, that's a cost to people where they spent their 40-ish dollars on each of those to run it. It's Especially considering it's been in the format for so long, and nothing has changed. Like, Luris didn't suddenly spike to the top of the leaderboards. It's, right. it's been consistent. Well, that's the other thing I was going to bring up. They talked about Luris three months ago when they banned Ragavan, mm -hmm. or whenever that was. I don't think it was three months ago. It was a month and a half ago, Whenever I think. it was. Yeah. Time flies when you're working miserable. seven days a week. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They had a chance to ban it then. they One of the guys who's involved in the bans, I don't know these people's names, um, he had mentioned that Luris was kind of like close. Well, what's changed? Mm -hmm. Literally nothing has changed. Yeah. There's been no major tournaments that come out where, you know, Luris has just been all over the place. Like yep. More than it has been. Correct. Uh, that's what I mean. Like, he's nothing has changed. Mm -hmm. There's he's, he's prevalent, but he's not any more prevalent than he was. Yeah. And so we just come out of here with no announcement and That's, that was my other thing i want to say like before we wrap this discussion up why did this have to happen effective immediately like it came out on monday and the effective date was monday right. why couldn't this one get an announcement on monday that next week we're going to announce a ban or two we ban it on monday as effective next Monday. well i mean a perfect example of this imagine you're trying to test for scg this weekend yeah you're in the modern team 25k yep and luris just got banned yeah like, now, I, a lot of people like to brew and they like to go into those like wide open formats. But yeah, but if I'm going to spend the next 15, 20 hours of my week testing, I don't want that all to be ruined. At least, you know, now. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I, 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 and maybe that's why they did it. Maybe they maybe they literally did it for a 5K in Indianapolis. But I just why did this have to be an emergency? Like, did you guys seriously decide at nine o'clock on Sunday? You know what? Ban him. You couldn't give us any warning. Really? Yep. There's, it's not, there's not worlds tomorrow. We don't, we don't have the pro tour next week. You guys woke up on Saturday morning, Sunday night, and was like, it's gotta happen. Ban that cat tomorrow. Not to mention, and if you look at their, Wizards is so inconsistent about this stuff. Like, if you look at their ban philosophy with like, oh, well, we want to wait till after Eternal Weekend to get data for Rackaban. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's like, no, we're going to miss one of the biggest three tournaments of the year with SCG Con. Yep. We'll, we'll let Philly happen. Yeah. Which, we'll, by the way, Luris didn't own Philly. Nope. <laughs> I, just, I I don't get it. I Again, to cap, we'll, we'll, let's cap this. Matt, are you mad Luris got not banned? Not at all. I'm not mad Luris got banned. Matt, are you mad the reasons they chose to ban Luris? Yeah. Well, I'm mad at... I, or you're disappointed? It's, I'm upset. I'm just kind of resigned to the fact that Watsy doesn't seem to know how to manage their formats anymore. Like, it's it's not even anger at this point, because anger to me requires me to have some expectation of them doing their <laughs> yeah, job. Guess, yeah. I'm just like, 
okay, cool. So you did the right thing the wrong way once again. Yeah, I, because it's it's always it always feels that way where it's like like what we we've talked about it with multiple different things where they they end up accidentally doing the right mm-hmm. thing and mess it up along. Yeah, and I, that's assuming banning Luris is the right thing. Yeah, and it I might don't, be. I don't think he should have been banned. I'm not sad to see him gone from the format. Yeah. I don't think he should have been banned. I, I don't think it's going to be a net positive for format diversity or right. health. But we'll see. But like I, said, I don't want to, I don't want people to be like, I, we're not Luris fanboys. Luris is a terrible card. Please, God, never make another Luris. Or companion for that matter. Or companion. I, the problem, and the thing that drives me nuts about companion is they had the idea for companion or something very similar to it like a decade ago or whatever. And they were like, no, there's just no way to make yeah. this work. And then they print them. And then they don't work because they're either a way too good because a free card magic's not very it's not incremented very well. So one card is worth too much. So either a a card is worth too much and it's too good or b the cost is too high and it's not infinitely too high. Right. Right. So it's just like I mean, Yorion seems to be the closest one. And and it's only good in the older formats where you have these this huge number of incredibly powerful playables. So. Although, in fact, you know, I take that back because it, there was a lot of Yorion decks in uh, in Standard. I take that back. Standard had a ton of Yorion decks. So, and I think all that showed us was 60 cards might not be the best size for your There's, deck. Yeah, but, and we've had that discussion before. Yep. But yeah, it's... Let's leave the discussion on a high note. And it's something Wizards did absolutely perfectly. Have you heard about the pre-release for New Capena? So, New Capena is coming out at some point. I don't know the dates. doesn't matter. Pre-release is going to be in stores a week before it's oh, online. Finally. Yep. Pre-release is actually pre-release again. So if you want to go to your local card shop and play Capena a week before you can play it on Arena, that's where you yeah. got to go. And the as far as new Capena goes, the Triomes look cool. Like, I'm yeah, glad they finished that cycle. It's great. Um, Art, art's pretty interesting. I am not a civilization and city person yeah. in terms of my magic art. So, like, I, I don't even like most of the uh, Ravnica art because it's very, like, city, in, city. Yeah. But uh, it looks really interesting. It looks cool. The art's pretty. The art's pretty cool. Uh, if you're into that thing, and the triomes are great, I'm really excited to get my Esper Triome for Reanimator or Modern Reanimator. But that's a that's a absolute high note to let Wizards go out of this podcast on, where they came back and they were like, "Let's throw our card shop some love and let's let pre-release BP. be pre-release." All right, Matt. Was there anything I skipped over? We didn't mention. We don't have to go into detail. There were popper bans. Oh yeah. Um, it was a uh, disciple of the vault. Disciple of the vault was banned. Galvanic relay is that the one? Looking them up right now. Uh, disciple of the vault, galvanic relay are banned in yep. popper. And then exploration uh, map was unbanned. Expedition map. Expedition map was unbanned. Yes. So in case you're interested, galvanic relay two and a red for a storm card. Exile the top card of your library. You may. Uh, Next uh, until the end of, during your next turn, you may uh, play that card. So yeah. and then it has storm. So you yep. can exile, you know, ten cards and then play the next turn and storm off again. Disciple of the Vault is one black for a one one. Whenever an artifact is put into your graveyard from the battlefield, you may have target opponent lose one life. So that was kind of the like Atog replacement. Well, it, it got played alongside Atog, and it like the if, the and popper it, affinity stuff. So what you do, it, you'd have both. So you'd have Atog yeah. and you'd be you dome strategies. Them. Yeah. But it, it was just good enough still that like yes. like affinity Atog style decks were just still good enough. Yep. And then you're getting back expedition map, which is a one mana artifact. You can pay two and sack it and go get <laughs> search your library for target Tron yes, land. It's a Tron card. It, you get any land you want. You reveal it, put it in your hand, but it's yeah, Tron. So A uh regardless of how you feel about the bands, it's nice to see that the popper band committee is considering unbands. Yep. 
and so like well and it's a big thing with me the the popper format panel the pfp came out a month or two ago and there have been two bands in popper and they have come with i mean looking at this uh announcement from gavin Verhey, this is like three pages of text on why these cards got banned why they got unbanned blah 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 blah. tons of discussion Once again, called it said disciple of the vaults needed to go you were right <laughs> but i like seeing the pfp come out and making regular adjustments as they see fit and then giving legitimate description of why i mean so we banned a card in modern and there's three paragraphs there's 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 like what uh three lines three lines five lines two so lines if you want something that might irritate you go to the galvanic relay thing uh for the, for ban. the ban and read through that real quick if i remember correctly they cite win rate data i think i think the deck that i i could be like mixing up two sources here but i read somewhere that the deck that that got banned out of the storm deck had a 60 percent win rate so like the popper committee knows to ban the cards with high win rates <laughs> and to use yeah. that in order to justify the ban and then for modern, yep. they're just like, oh, by the way, Lurus is banned. Yeah, I don't see... <clears throat> so it look, might not be in that article. Looking at the data, the Moto Leagues, it has the highest win rate in the format by a large margin and a whopping 60%. They have the data, and they rightfully decided, yeah, based on... 60% the, win rate. That's bonkers. too much. We should ban it. <laughs> hmm. It's almost like they didn't list any real win rate data for, for modern. Yes. Correct. That's what I was getting at. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so uh, check out the Planesuckers podcast, uh, planesuckerspodcast.com. Let me get up there. Let me get their socials. Twitch.tv forward slash planesuckerspodcast. Uh, check that out Mondays at around 7 p.m. Eastern Standard for their podcast. Wednesdays around 7 p.m. Eastern for their Commander Craft. Hit, check it out the 26th at 1 p.m., March 26th, for our uh, charity event for extra life with cdh and tons of edh stuff hit us up on our discord and their discord it's under their name discord.plainsuckerspodcast.com let them know we sent you come check out our discord channel uh you know take a peek at that cool jeskai deck i put up and maybe hop into a commander game once in a while if you want to reach out to us you can email us at cantripcartel at gmail.com you can check out our facebook group cantrip cartel on facebook and you can follow us on twitter at cantrip cartel at. is there anything i'm forgetting I think you got it all well i think we'll wrap up a short episode and we will see you guys next week have a nice night guys so at the end of your turn i'm going to uh flash in my wandering emperor and then i'm gonna make a 2-2 samurai with vigilance and i'll go to my turn and i'll uh i'll put a plus one plus one counter on it and swing for three lightning 